How many of you grow up saying prayers before bedtime? Yeah, me too. Did you say the same prayer over and over again? Mm-hmm. The prayer that my sister and I repeated every night began, now I lay me down to sleep. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And the traditional ending of the prayer goes, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Well, it's good to know that our souls go to God when we die. Talking about dying just before bedtime may not be the best way to get a small child to go to sleep. And so I'm grateful that my parents taught me a different version. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Angels guard me through the night and wake me with the morning light. Much more comforting. Now, a question. Do you still pray the same way you did when you were a child? If you do, if you are still praying, then now I lay me down to sleep prayer, that's fine. After all, it's a statement of trust in God's ability to protect and care for us when we are not able to do so for ourselves. And that childlike trust is essential to our faith. In Matthew 18, 12, Jesus tells the disciples, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So if it's comforting, please feel free to say that prayer at bedtime better than saying nothing, right? But as Jesus' disciples, as those who seek not just to talk the talk, but to walk the walk with Jesus, you and I are not meant to have a now I lay me down to sleep faith. To have the same understanding of our relationship with God and others as we did when we first came to faith, whether it be as a child or as an adult. Last week, we began to look at a definition of discipleship that I heard during a presentation at a Readiness 360 plus cohort meeting. And the definition is this. In response to God's loving invitation, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ who is committed to becoming more like Jesus, being part of the body of Christ and joining Jesus in ministry. Last week we talked about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus and I suggested that a follower is one who knows Jesus, who pays attention to him, and who trusts Jesus. And today I want to look at the next part of that definition, which reads, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ who is committing to becoming, committed to becoming more like Jesus. Just as a child grows in body and mind, so we are to grow in our relationship with Christ. Ephesians puts it this way, as day read, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, who is Christ. We must grow up. That wording uh, implies a maturing process. Our relationship with Jesus is not meant to be static. It is meant to change and to grow. As a child learns to walk, first rocking on hands and knees, then crawling, then pulling up on things, then taking wobbly steps, then running. So we are to continue to grow and develop in our walk with Jesus. To what end? In Philippians 2.5, Paul states the goal clearly and simply. Let the same mind be in you 
that was in Christ Jesus. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Likewise, the author of Ephesians tells Christians to put away your former way of life and to put on the new self, which is created in God's likeness. In his book, Five Practices for Fruitful Congregations, Bishop Robert Schneezy sums it up this way. Growing in Christ-likeness is the goal and end of the life of faith. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, would agree. He would also tell us that, that this growth in Christ-likeness is a gift of God's grace. Wesley felt that divine grace manifests itself in three ways. Prevenient, or coming before grace, is the divine love of God that surrounds all humanity. It is God reaching out to us, constantly inviting us to draw, to, in drawing us into relationship, sometimes before we are even aware that there is a God and awakening in us a desire to know and please God. The second grace, kind of grace, justifying grace, is the grace that makes us right with God in and through Christ, is the assurance that our sins are forgiven, that we no longer need to fear death, and that we are God's beloved children. This transforming experience, sometimes called conversion, can happen suddenly or gradually. And then after we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, after we've come into a right relationship with God, God offers us sanctifying grace. To sanctify something is to make it holy, and that is what God seeks to do for and with us, to make us holy. Wesley used a rather daunting term to describe the end of sanctification. He called it Christian perfection. Now, he didn't mean that when we ha are sanctified, we will no longer make mistakes. Well, maybe in heaven that would happen, but that's not true in this life. Instead, he described Christian perfection as having a heart continually filled with the love of God and neighbor and having the mind of Christ and walking as he walked. To be sanctified then is to become more and more like Jesus. Needless to say, this is not something that happens overnight. As Bishop Schneezy writes, faith isn't like a light switch that turns off and on. On the contrary, becoming more like Jesus is a dynamic process that lasts for a lifetime. Our growth into the full stature of Christ will take us all of our days and maybe then some. Sounds a little daunting, doesn't it? How can we accomplish this? Well, we don't. Sanctification is something that God accomplishes. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Over time, the Spirit teaches and guides us, striving to produce in us the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control, the qualities that bring us in line with the character of Christ and enable us to walk in his way. Having said that, though, I also need to say that this process, this work of the Spirit, requires our cooperation, our willingness to learn and change, and it always had. You know, Jesus' disciples didn't just hang out with him. They were constantly learning from him, 
And their education continued right through their last meal together and picked up again after Jesus' resurrection. The first chapter of Acts tells us that the resurrected Christ spent 40 days with the disciples speaking about the kingdom of God. Likewise, Acts 2, which a day read, tells us that the very first Christians who heard Paul's message on Pentecost devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Their faith development didn't stop with their baptism on that day. On the contrary, they made it a priority to learn so that they might grow in their relationship with Christ. Should this not be our priority as well? In this country, we value education so much so that we offer free schooling to our children and youth. Young people are encouraged to go to college or vocational training, and we think highly of adults who choose to continue their education or go back to school. Why should it be any different in the church? Surely growing spiritually is no less important than growing intellectually. Now I know what you're thinking. I just don't have time. And that's true. We are busy people. Our lives are full to the brim. We go to work, we go to school, we spend time with our families, we try to find time for ourselves. But we also need to make time for God. For unless we are intentional about increasing our knowledge of scripture, deepening our experience of prayer and learning in community with others, we are unlikely to move much beyond and now I lay me down to sleep, faith. To be sure, if we don't work at growing our faith, God will still love us and will still use us and will still give us grace. But we will miss out on so many things. The wonder of a deeper relationship with Jesus the relief of discovering, as Bishop Snazy writes, that our questions, doubts, temptations, and missteps are not unusual, but are part of the journey, and the encouragement and support of our fellow disciples. All this and more can be ours if we make room for the Holy Spirit to work within us. Mind you, it's risky business to intentionally develop our faith. Growth requires change, and change is often uncomfortable, even painful. That was certainly true for the disciples. Even though they had the amazing privilege of learning from Jesus himself, they often struggled to understand and to trust. They took one step forward and three steps back. And that's been my experience, too. The Bible study that originally opened my heart to God's call also thrust me into a crisis of faith that lasted for years. And yet, through it all, God continued to shape and guide me, and in part, my continued participation in small group learning experiences helped me to remain open to God's call. And those Bible studies classes, retreats, UMW, schools of Christian mission, gave me joy, not only because they deepened my walk with Christ, but also because of the relationships that I experienced in those settings. 
Jesus taught his disciples in community. The early Christians learned in community, and I believe learning in community in a small group is the best way for us to grow in our faith. I want each of you to experience that same joy. I want Elsegundo United Methodist Church and all who come here to, I want you to be a congregation that learns together and helps one another grow in faith. And I want each of us to become more and more and more like Jesus. It seems obvious to me that in order for those things to happen, we need to offer more learning opportunities and create more small groups, and I'd love to make that happen, but I need your help. If you open your bulletin again, you'll find this piece of paper. Yes, it's another survey. It's one I made up. <laughs> so let's look at it for a minute. This one says, I want, yes, I want to grow in my walk with Christ. And then it gives you options. And I would invite you to check everything that applies. I would learn from and enjoy, and there's a selection of possibilities. I would prefer to meet for when you could be available to do this. I would do best with a group that met however long. I would like to meet, it's on the back page, and I would add something to this. It, right now it says at church, in a home, at a local restaurant, in an outdoor setting, and other, and I would add, or you can add, online. There is such a thing as online classes. I don't know how to do them yet, but I can figure it out. And things that you might need to make this happen. You can fill this out now and give it to me afterwards. You can take it home and bring it back or to the office or send it back to the office or bring it back that Sunday. You don't have to do it now. But I would hope that you will do it, that you will help me understand what it is that would help you to grow in your walk with Christ. In the meantime, I encourage you to participate in opportunities for growth that are currently being offered. And they're small in number, but they're gonna grow. The nine o'clock adult Sunday school class and the 1 p.m. Wednesday study group that's going to start up soon. We have to, so we're still figuring out what we're going to study, but that's going to happen again soon. In fact, I would like to ask people who participate in those two things, in the Sunday school and the Wednesday study group, to raise their hands. Okay. Feel free to ask them about their experience. What is it like? How is it? Do you like it? Ask them what, it, what it's like. Talk to them about it. Being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, means growing in our faith. In the words of Bishop Schnazy again, my hope is that each of us is closer to Christ now than we were five years ago, and that, by the grace of God, we'll be closer to Christ and deeper in our relationship to God five years from now than we are today. Or to put it in the words of Richard of Chichester, words that were adapted for the song Day by Day in the musical Godspell, O oh, most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may we know thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly. In Christ's name, may it be so. Amen.